All right. Hello, everyone. This is Bruce Tataris, and with me is James Corbett, creator of the Corbett Report at CorbettReport.com, which is listener-supported, commercial-free alternative media, which provides critical analysis of politics, society, history, and economics with thousands of hours of audio and video content, including podcasts, interviews, and articles about breaking news and important issues from 9-11 truth and false flag terror to the Big Brother police state, eugenics, the central banking fraud, COVID-19, and more. For just a small monthly or yearly contribution, you can become a member and help keep the website running and keep James' incredible content coming. James is an award-winning investigative journalist who has lectured on geopolitics at the University of Groningen's Studium Generale, and he has delivered presentations on open source journalism at the French Institute for Research in Computer Science and Automation's FOSA, F-O-S-S-A conference, also at a TEDx Groningen and at Ritsupmekan University in Kyoto, Japan. Thank you very much for joining me today, James. How are you? I appreciate you having me on. I'm doing all right. Excellent. Uh, to set up my first question, I wanted to tell you that in 2004, I started studying 9-11, and I've been researching how the world really works ever since, and I put as much as I could into a book called God School, 9-11, and JFK, The Lies That Are Killing Us and the Truth That Sets Us Free, and I found you early in my research, and I love what you post. I love the way you do it, and I always learn tons from you. So here, deep in 2023, what are the worst things happening, the most dangerous and important things that we're facing, and what's the good news? Who are mm. the people and organizations besides you who are trying to wake people up so more people can resist the total tyranny that we're speeding toward, and what are some of the things that people can and should do to free themselves from all that is trying to enslave and kill us. All right, quite a quite a question. All right, you got seven hours. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's dive into it. All right. Well, thank you first of all for your extremely gratifying words there about how useful my work is for you. This is exactly why I do what I do is uh, hopefully to help people along in their own research on these subjects. And if I have done that to any degree, then I will feel mission accomplished. Having said that, yes, what are the issues that are facing us? Because obviously, at the time that you got into this, 2004, I started get going down the rabbit hole 2006. Obviously, 9-11, the war on terror, the unfolding police state, and the Iraq war, and etc., etc., were top of mind at that time. But we have moved on. It's 2023. It's a different political, geopolitical, mm -hmm. economic context. So what is... What are the pressing issues of the moment? And I would say there are so many that it's almost mind boggling to sit down and try to elucidate each single one of them. However, I think they are all connected. There is a thread that is connecting so many of these different issues. So for example, I could talk at length about the digital ID agenda, the fact that we are starting to be really herded into the digital cattle pen or the digital gulag. Um, in which we will have to sport our digital identification anytime we want to access, well, I would say anytime we want to access the digital space, but increasingly the world is a digital space. And we saw 
what that starts we, we saw the the really the thin edge of that wedge during the past few years of craziness with the qr code check-ins and the vaccine passports and all of these different systems the incredible amounts of money that were being spent um at the public and private level to create the infrastructure for a digital prison essentially um do you think that money just went away and oh okay that's all done no of course that was really just laying the groundwork for what is coming and uh flexing some of the biosecurity state muscles in the implementation of that digital cattle pen and so there's another aspect of what we're dealing with the the biosecurity state and everything that's attendant upon that the fact that we've now been conditioned into accepting the pronouncements of health authorities presumed health authorities at the drop of a hat um, who can now lock us down in our own homes or force inject us or do all sorts of things that would have sounded like crazy conspiracy theorizing just a few years ago. But now mm -hmm. there are many people who have taken it on board and are uh, will actually defend those actions. And if, then, right, and, if, and if anybody would say at this point, well, no, they can't make us do that. They are close because I'm sure you're well aware of what's pending through the World Health Organization. It's we're at yes. the we're at the edge of that cliff. In fact, for people who are interested in that, I am doing a regular monthly conversation on children's health defense with Merrill Nass, where we are following step by step the progress of this proposed mm. pandemic treaty slash the mm. uh, amendments to the international health regulations. So, mm. yes, I'm very well aware of the, uh, the, the biosecurity state and what's being erected um, in the wake of the craziness of the past few years. But that's not all. Mm. I mean, we could continue to elaborate the various problems that we're facing, including how the digital ID biosecurity state is leading us into a technocratic future in which essentially our ability to buy and sell and participate in the economy will be at the whim of central banksters mm -hmm. who, as people may or may not know, are trying desperately right now to implement an entirely new form of money set central bank digital currency, which will be predicated on those digital ID technologies. That's why I think that's probably the first the first priority uh, for this agenda, but coming right along behind it is the central bank digital currency idea, mm -hmm. um, which for people who don't know, this idea of programmable money that will be allowed, that will be essentially uh, any, any aspect of money and transactions in the economy can be algorithmically controlled such that, for example, in the event of the next lockdown, when they decide that you can't travel more than one mile away from your home, they'll be able to literally shut off your central bank digital currency so that it will not function if your GPS detector on your slave device, I mean your your smartphone, mm -hmm. detects that you are more than one mile away from your home, et cetera, et cetera. The possibilities are really endless once that is instituted. And then, uh, even beyond that, uh, I, I think there is a, a geopolitical agenda that's at play um, in which we are seeing the outlines of, at the very least, Cold War 2.0, which will be probably a lot like Cold War 1.0, which was, for those who followed the work of Antony Sutton and other researchers, largely a fabrication of sorts. Mm -hmm. um, the same powers basically puppeteering both sides. I think we have a similar situation with Cold War 2.0, but regardless mm -hmm. of that, it could potentially actually um, eventuate in hot war. Mm -hmm. So there are a number of things on the table, um, economic collapse, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the types of things that I'm sure people like yourself, myself, who've been researching this for decades will be very familiar with. So the real question, as you say, is, okay, so 
what are the positive things? What can mm -hmm. we be doing about it? Who is out there? What organizations exist? What can people be doing productively um, in the face of this overwhelming agenda? And as always, there isn't one particular um, <coughs> golden golden bullet, silver bullet. It would be I pretty golden, but yeah, yeah. This vampire. <laughs> Uh, there are a number of things, which is why I have a regular weekly series called Solutions Watch, where I'm talking to activists, I'm highlighting the work of various organizations, I'm putting ideas out on the table, I'm exploring and examining them from a number of different perspectives. What can we do? So, for example, I've had um, uh, uh, episodes of Solutions Watch specifically on the idea of the coming vaccine passport agenda mm -hmm. and what people can be doing about that or the central bank digital currencies and how people can be interacting um, in ways that will preserve what limited monetary freedom we have, et cetera, et cetera. The idea of cash Fridays, the idea mm -hmm. of the um, agorist dot market and many, many, many other ideas, um, mm -hmm. both small scale or seemingly small scale and large scale. In fact, uh, as we speak, I'm going, I'm just uh, planning a conversation about Fukushima and mm -hmm. what people could be doing to protect themselves from the potential release, well, the actual release, the yeah. potential effects of the release of radioactive water into the Pacific Ocean. So again, there's, a, there's no end to the problems that we're dealing with, but there are no ends to the possible solutions to those problems as well. And I think that's an important aspect of this, because as I'm sure you know, people can get caught up and lost, really, in the nonstop, incessant detailing yeah. of the problem. Yeah. rather than actually looking for solutions to those problems. Yes, it's paralyzing. And you reminded me of what I, you, you're a fire hose of content and that balance of the full perspective and also the solutions of tangible things. And also folks can get your, get on the mailing list for your newsletter and start enjoying new world next week with you and James Evans, Pilato. And so to succinctly stay up to date but here's like your numerous selling points or, or things for me, James, is is your spirit, your 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 jovialness about it, because you're blessed with with a, a sane uh, demeanor. No one knows what it's really like to be you, but you. But you sure, you know, you brighten my day with these horrible things that you've taken it upon yourself. And I recently watched your introductory video about yourself that I'd never seen before. Five minutes and my mind was kind of blown because I was very intimidated the first time I saw you because I think because I'm a reader, I'm a lifetime reader of books. So I know when I'm listening to someone who's speaking in cogent thoughts as if it's a paragraph of, well, you know, supported arguments. So to see those, you know, those humble beginnings, it's have internet will travel is the point. Everybody can and should still leverage this with all, as you make the point, it's encumbrances these days with the censorship and the shadow banning and everything else to this quote, I had to write down at the end of your intro video. So to, for, together we can create a better shared understanding from different perspectives, our different perspectives. And therein is so much hope that's because if two-thirds of Americans at least will electrocute someone to the point of death according to the Milgram experiments back in the 1960s and about 35 or so percent won't. We have to encourage people 
to do whatever they can, start a website, start a blog, do any, make a video, do anything to cause more people to know what you know, to plug into everything that's coming out of the Corbett Report and open their mouths and have the courage for the first time. Because all the things you've said, people like you and I have been watching and reading and studying this stuff for over 10 years, we saw the warning signs and we saw the play, things being put into place. So it really wasn't so much of a shock, as horrible as COVID really, really was. And what's your take on, yes, all the all the things to be concerned about and all the solutions and hopeful things we must find in order to balance ourselves with a little bit of cheerfulness and activity. Like an alarm bell in the night last week were the indications that masks and mandates and potentially a lockdown were going to come back. It wasn't just Alex Jones Monday, mm -hmm. Tuesday. Talk to me about that particularly, please. Absolutely. Okay. So, um, let me pick up on something that you mentioned there. You mentioned the Milgram experiment and, of course, the infamous result that 65% or thereabouts of participants in the Milgram experiment would take that experiment to the potentially lethal level for people who don't know anything whatsoever about this. Essentially, it was testing people's compliance with authority, to put it in a nutshell. And um, there was a, a, a large proportion of the respondents in that particular experiment were willing to essentially commit an act that they thought may actually potentially kill someone on the other end simply because a man in a lab coat with a clipboard was telling them to do so. And that was, I mean, obviously, for obvious reasons, that is a pretty stunning um, experimental result, one that was not predicted by essentially any of the psychologists that had been uh, talked, uh, uh, surveyed about that potential um, effect beforehand and has been become one of the most well-known experiments, uh, psychological experiments of the 20th century. But something that I always like to point out about that experiment is that, yes, it, it has been verified and re redone a number of different times in a number of different locales all around the world. It is an experimental result that holds up. But something that most people don't know is that Milgram did not just run this experiment once. He ran it over and over and over dozens of experimental variations, and each one produced different results. And one of those very startling different results um, was a time in which he had a confederate of uh, the experimenter um, uh, acting as another learner in this experiment ahead of the actual experiment uh, subject. And that, so the experiment subject got to watch someone else do this ahead of time. And when the person that he watched ahead of him doing this disobeyed the experimenter, and, and did not go through with the potentially lethal shock, that person was much more likely to disobey himself. And I can't remember the exact number, but it was something like the, the compliance rate went down from 65% down to something like 10% or even less than that. It, it became a, a trivial number. That's an important experimental result because I think that gestures at, uh, at the nature of the problem and the nature of the solution. I think this, is, this gestures to why there is such a concerted effort to propagandize the public at all times. It is because our, our compliance and even our perception of other people's compliance is important to the functioning of this system. So for example, what we saw over the past few years of scamdemic craziness has been at least, uh, to, I would say not just in part, but to a large extent enabled by our 
at the very least, our perception of other people's compliance mm -hmm. with what is going on. Well, mm -hmm. everyone else around me is doing it. Everyone else is donning the mask. Everyone else is lining up for their shots. And so, you know, what can I do about it? People will more likely be more likely to comply or at least less likely to resist if they feel that there is no res resistance taking place. That is why one of the most important things that we can do and something that I have stretched and stressed in a previous Solutions Watch that I hope people will uh, take a look at. One of the most important things we can do is simply to, in a visible way, disobey, to show our disobedience in a way that breaks people's conditioning that everyone is going along with this. Mm -hmm. And in that precise regard, this recent idea that uh, coming up in the next mm -hmm. few months, we're going to start seeing all of the same restrictions and lockdowns, et cetera, coming into, uh, coming into place. I think it will look different if they try that in 2023 than in 2020, mm -hmm. because I think that that conditioning, that propaganda that, oh, everyone in the world is on board and everyone's doing it. I think that has been pierced. I think mm. that has been broken and more and more people are questioning. And I think if they try the exact same playbook as 2020 in 2023, I think we will see a lot more visible signs of resistance. And of course, the censorship will be taking place in the digital realm. The revolution will not be YouTubed. Um, but I, I think what we see in the real world will make a difference this time. And uh, I have a feeling there will be more problems. And it goes back to that fundamental insight that we need to visibly demonstrate our disobedience um, in ways that signal to other people around them around us that you're not alone you're not crazy in fact there's a lot of people who are resisting this agenda you just don't know it because you're never going to be told about that in the establishment media no and that fact that the results diminished when they could see somebody else refuse to comply james I'm doing cartwheels right now. You just can't see them. That is one of the most exciting and tangible bludgeons I intend to use and also to just justify a, a lot more fearlessness on my part in publicly uh, not complying and preaching the gospel of noncompliance with that as, as my probably exhibit A. Merrill Nass, I think, just this week re reposted a finding, a survey that up to one third of Americans think that the COVID vaccines uh, kill people. And it was poo-pooed the way that was presented in the Hill. They were like, oh boy, look at the misinformation we've got to overcome. Isn't that thrilling? And it plays mm -hmm. right into it supports your hope and conjecture that no, we're not going to comply the same way. Yes, exactly right. And I did see that headline. Uh, I believe I saw it in the Daily Mail and it was something like America's yeah. anti-vax crisis. Yeah. One third of people believe that the covid vaccines were harmful. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't I don't think I would phrase that as a crisis. But anyway, right. it's good that it's right. it's not only good that 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 survey result is showing that there are a lot of people who are waking up to this agenda, but it also is good that they're broadcasting that. Even if they frame it in a negative way, it is still a signal to yeah. other people out there that there is disobedience. You are not yeah. alone. There are a lot of people who think like you. So I think people yeah. who can read read be between the lines, people who are capable of, at the very least, showing even the slightest skepticism towards the agenda will be hardened by yeah. e even negative coverage like that. Yeah. And all the, all the people who don't publish or write or do anything, who voice doubts, and were ostracized and mocked by their by their families 
this is just such a moment to embolden folks with, you know, stay the course and just don't don't back down. Don't wimp out at this, you know, at this juncture because so much is at stake. And we we have to pray for the miracle of the critical mass that stops some of the momentum of the horrible things and continues to nurture the positive things. And there are a lot of good things. There's a lot of good people and a lot of good organizations, not only spreading a lot of great information, but also doing a lot of great things. What haven't we covered? What final thoughts do you have, James? I'm aware of our uh, time. And uh, what's on your mind after what we just discussed? Well, uh, specifically with regards to this conversation, I would say if people are more interested in the idea of modeling disobedience, et cetera, and those experimental results from Milgram, um, type the word psychology into my search bar and you'll find a number of different reports I've done nice. over the years. But one of the more recent ones is an editorial series I wrote earlier this year on the weaponization of psychology. Um, talking about how psychology and psychological experiments, etc., have been essentially weaponized by would-be social engineers to more effectively program the population in various ways, but also, like the, with that Milgram experiment result, uh, how we can use that to our own advantage and to undermine the efforts of the would-be social engineers. So I think there's a lot um, to bite off and chew with regards to that. But um, really, with regards to any of the things that we've been talking about, just use the search bar and Corbett report. I have had a lot to say on these various topics in the past and no doubt will continue to do so. So mm -hmm. um, I think that's probably uh, about good for today. I just want, I want to emphasize something you recently, I think posted even today, which was uh, an editorial or opinion piece on the looting and the, and the mass gangs that are, and that played to one of the first points that you made, wow, to make shopping in real life odious and frightening it's all the more to groom us and squeeze us into just this digital capture, which is hand in glove with the monetary capture that you talked about at the top. I want to mention to you a great book I just read called One Idea to Rule Them All, Reverse Engineering American Propaganda by Michelle Stiles. And within a couple of days, or no, 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 I already got the link. I just interviewed her on my radio show. And it's a great, it's a great book. It's a single volume. You could just hand to a mainstream believer that starts with a French author, Laban in the late 1800s, who inspired the Creel Committee, the Committee for Public Information under Woodrow Wilson, where Walter Lippmann and Edward Bernays were foot soldiers, what they did in the 1920s with it, and then how it has just metastasized into all the institutions of power and influence along all the propaganda points you made earlier. One Idea to Rule Them All by Michelle Stiles. Great book. Great and you, my friend, I'm looking forward to checking that out. Excellent. My prayer is for your health because of all I get from your work and the way that you do it, James. CorbettReport.com. Any final words, my friend? I will uh, take your prayers uh, and I will continue to do this work for as long as I can. So thank you very much. Amen. Thank you.